Our second lesson today comes from the Gospel according to Mark. We've been reading from Mark chapter 1, and these verses come from Mark 1, beginning with verse 29 and to 39. We listen for God's Word. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in, a, in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. And Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to Jesus all who were sick or, dis, or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, where, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to Jesus, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder if you saw the headlines, the major headlines at the end of this week. Facebook files for IPO. Sometime this spring, Facebook, that major social network company that's only eight years old and has 845 million users across the world, is going to try to raise $5 billion by this initial public offering of stock. Now, I bring this up today because it points to the seismic shifts that are unfolding in our culture just in the recent years. And I bring this up today as the church seeks to be engaged in campus ministry. And especially with young adults. And especially as we have Presbyterian Campus Fellowship, Collegiate Fellowship, leading us in worship today. I've been reading a new book. The book is helpful. The book is challenging. The book is by David Kinnaman. The title of the book is this, You Lost Me. Why Young Christians Are Leaving Church and Rethinking Faith. David Kinnaman bases this book on extensive interviews and interactions with those who are between the ages of 18 and 29. It's a book about how we're all called to follow Jesus and how we can help young people follow Jesus, especially in our crazy, high-tech, ever-changing culture. One of the first things Kinnaman notes is that teenagers are, in our country, the most religiously active of any group. We realize this every year when we send our youth group to the Montreat Worship Conference to be engaged in the dynamic worship, the incredible fellowship, the energy, the faith of that place. They come back renewed and enriched and it's a reminder that teenagers are indeed some of the most religiously active. But the next point that Kinnaman makes is striking. 
American 20-somethings, those between the ages of 18 and 29, are the least religiously active. Ages 18 to 29 are what he calls the black hole of church attendance. This age segment is missing in action from our congregation. Now, you might say that there's been a long trend of people drifting away from church when they drift off to college. Many of us might say that happened to us. We kind of left our church and explored different things. Perhaps this pattern is going to continue. But this recent research shows something new and something worrisome. Young adults are not coming back to the church like they used to. And Kinnaman names this the dropout problem. All through the month of January, we had in our midst an opportunity to share life with a 28-year-old. His name was Jin Hong. He is a Presbyterian seminary student from Seoul, Korea. You met him last week if you were here in previous weeks. This was his first experience in the U.S., He is devoting his life to serving in Presbyterian ministry in Korea. So he's interested in all aspects of life in church, especially this church while he was here for this month. He had much to say about our church. Impressive. Impressive. That was his word when he learned about our walk-in ministry on Mondays. That was his word. Impressive. When he heard about our Assisting Families of Inmates program. Impressive. That's what he said as we host Alcoholics Anonymous every week in our church building. Impressive as we advocate for justice and ministry and hope in this city. Jen wants to take all of this back to Korea because it was so impressive to him. And then his one biggest concern, his one most worrisome observation, where are the young people, he asked. Now, we do have some new members joining our church very soon. Six or seven of them are under 30 years old. This is very exciting. We're doing some things well, but we have to take seriously, friends, the dropout problem because it's real. The dropout problem, as Kinnaman calls it, has emerged because of changes in the recent years and the lightning fast pace of change in recent decades. The changes have been so massive that our culture is, he calls it, discontinuously different than anything that has come before. The church, the sharing of faith, the worship, the meaning of Christian community, our witness on this street and in this city, the passing along of faith, it hasn't kept pace hasn't kept pace with the rapidly changing culture. Kinnaman summarizes the change with three words. Access, alienation, and authority. The current generation of young adults has almost unimaginable access to information. And this is not new to them. Like it is to many of us, the access to information It's been part of their lives as long as they can remember access to information. And it's unbelievable access. A nine-year-old asks his mother a question. The mother doesn't know the answer. The nine-year-old says, let me see your iPhone. 
And how do you spell it? He may not be able to spell even what he's asking, but you know what? He knows that he can type it in and push search on Google and get his answer. It's a truth. And that quick access is almost unlimited. And that access is absolutely going to influence who that boy is becoming and what he will want out of his life. It's not all negative by any means. Access to information, it can be fantastic, but it exemplifies that example, the lightning fast cultural shifts that bring tremendous challenges to who we are as a community of faith and how we pass along our faith to young people in a rapidly changing world of unlimited access. While young people may be more connected through access, Kinnaman also notes that there is increasing alienation. The second word. When we are so connected to our technology with access, we may find ourselves increasingly disconnected. Disconnected from our families, disconnected from our institutions, disconnected from humanity, disconnected even from the society as it has long been. Consider this. Today's kids are eight times more likely to have come into the world without married parents than just 40 years ago. Eight times. That leads to alienation from family. Kinnaman also knows that there's an alienation from institutions. In 2010, USA Today reported that college grads were having a harder time finding jobs than ever before. Imagine how it must feel to spend four or five years going to a reputable institution and earning your degree only to face the hard reality that your diploma is not an automatic ticket to future success. That brings disillusionment, alienation about the education system, the workplace, the institutions of our culture in general, and guess what? The church is one of those institutions. All of this then creates skepticism of authority. Third word, new questions about who to believe and why I believe those things. In an earlier generation, John Westerhoff wrote a book entitled, Will Our Children Have Faith? I know some of you have read it, probably in our library. While the book is urging attention to passing along the Christian faith, the book also describes how American culture was in itself a purveyor of Christian faith. The community, the church, programs that were provided, even public school and popular entertainment all acted to nurture faith at some level. Kinnaman says those socializing forces have all eroded. Our culture is far more religiously diverse. Not the worst thing that can happen, but it brings changes and challenges to Christian community and what it means to pass on faith. Young adults are the least likely in this 
present day to name the Bible as sacred scripture. Christian leaders, according to young adults, have less and less influence. In fact, young adults are suspicious of the church. And Kinnaman's book is packed with chapters elaborating on why young adults are suspicious of the church. Fair or correct or not, this is what he says. The church is seen by 20-somethings as overprotective. Rather than helping one another engage in culture in meaningful and creative ways, the church is perceived as apart from culture, apart from reality. The church is seen as too shallow, repeating easy platitudes rather than wrestling with deeper issues of life, rather than helping people correct their faith and uh, connect their faith with their lives, their daily living, the church is seen as boring, irrelevant, and does not help people find purpose. The church is also seen by 20-somethings as anti-science. I don't think that's true about our church, but this remains the perception about church. Young people know firsthand that we live in a science culture. But if the church is seen as anti-science, how can this make sense? The church is seen, too, as repressive, exclusive, doubtless. We've been so consumed about debates on sexuality and other issues instead of living out our faith and making it apply to daily life in the world. We've been so interested in our truths and holding on to them. We've been too unwilling to dialogue, to interact, to admit that we don't have all the answers. All these issues leave young people, in fact, they leave many people with more suspicion and more distance from church life. The title of the book, remember, is You Lost Me. The implication of You Lost Me is that something hasn't translated. The message has not been received. That is what many young people are saying about the church. Friends, our church's commitment to Presbyterian collegiate fellowship is crucial. It's an important opportunity that we have to reach out, to give space, to welcome these young folks into our midst. It's an opportunity to demonstrate day in and day out that while much of the Christian church might be overprotective or shallow or anti-science or repressive or exclusive or anything else, we are not like that. In fact, we're engaged in this city and we are engaged with Presbyterian Collegiate Fellowship. We want to be. And we care about you and we care about your friends on these campuses. And we want to be engaged with you in your search for answers and faith and connections and purpose. We need you, actually, in this church. With all of our history, we need you. With all that we're doing, we need you. We're interested in much more than shallow platitudes here. 
We want to delve into complex issues. We want to connect faith and life. We know well that we live in a scientific digital age and we know how fast the world is moving past. We all have questions. We do. We all have doubts. We do. We all have confusions. We carry around anxieties. We know you have much to teach us. We have a few things we can share with you. We need each other. And we want to give you a place of belonging, a place of relationships that promise to sustain you. Facebook might be fun. Facebook might be helpful. But it's the faithful connections to God and to one another that sustain us all in life. We want to learn together what it means to live every day following Jesus. We all need more wisdom. We all need more grace. We all need more skillful living because life comes at us so fast and can be so confusing. We need to help each other find a place and find a purpose. And many of us, in fact, wonder what every day of our lives are about. We don't know. None of us really have it all figured out. In fact, we're all trying as best we can to love God and love God's people right where we find ourselves, which is what Jesus calls us to do. And Presbyterian Campus Fellowship and 20-somethings, others of you who are here, we are in this together. And we need to hang together and help each other know Christ and make Christ known in this city and as far as we can go. In today's passage from Mark 1, Jesus has arrived on the scene proclaiming the kingdom of God. And he says it's at hand. And then he starts calling disciples and then these disciples that he've called um, lead Jesus to their house. It's Simon's mother-in-law who is sick, and Jesus brings her to help. And she gets to serving them and going with them. And then Jesus chases out demons. And then he does it in other places. And then Jesus slipped away to the desert, to a quiet place, to pray. And when they finally found Jesus, this is what he said Let us go. Let us go to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also. And they went through all of Galilee proclaiming this message. It says, this message of Jesus. We've gotten it wrong sometimes. Often we've gotten it wrong. Shallow platitudes instead of life-giving hope. Repressive. Instead of joyful exclusive, instead of gracious, empty of love, not clear of purpose. We can do better. The message of the kingdom that comes in Jesus, we're known, we're loved by God, we're held. We have forgiveness for our failings, all of us. There's light for our darkness, it's true. There's hope for our discouragement, it's real. We have purpose for daily living. We want to be about God's kingdom that comes in Jesus. Hope, help, strength for all people. By God's grace and constant prodding, we keep at it. We do. We know we're called to embody Christ's light and Christ's love throughout all we do in this city. Through worship, through witness, through walk-in, through nurturing faith, 
through welcoming PCF, through dialoguing with them, through growing together, through advocating at the Capitol, through all that we do. We keep at it, seeking to follow Christ, bringing help to the hurting, bringing healing to the sick, helping those who are victims of injustice to actually get up and come along with us. This is our calling. It's God's work. It's important. We need each other, all ages, younger, older, wiser, seeking. We need each other, all of us, to do this work of the message of Jesus. And we have to keep looking for new and effective ways to do it in this ever-changing world. We're here for you, PCF. We are. And we want you here with us on this journey. We need you. We're here for you. You're here for us. It's how we go forward together. Life is very complicated. Discipleship is not easy. But we go, knowing that God guides us and blesses us and calls us to go forward together. May we go forward together in faith and love and service, following Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. You love us, O oh God. We love you, and we seek to love and serve you with deep and faithful commitment, following Christ our Lord. Amen.